Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Kajina is our technical producer, and Ryan White is our live stream producer. Be sure and check out the YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and the Rumble channel, Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Uh, Before we get rolling... I want to acknowledge our Patreon Star Chamber donors, Tim Sullivan, Deep Paul, and the Harmonic Egg. Thank you so much, all of you, so, so much for your continued loyalty and support. And your monthly donation means a great deal. It makes a huge difference, and it helps me and Ryan continue to do what we do here. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, just go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Pick the donor tier that's right for you. Of course, any amount is greatly appreciated. Coming up in the second half, former cattle rancher turned writer researcher Julius Ruchel. Will be here. He's the author of Autopsy of a Pandemic The Lies, the Gamble, and the COVID Zero Con. And Julius will discuss the mysterious disappearance and then the reappearance of the flu. Remember that? Natural versus vaccine induced immunity, the inability of the vaccines to control the virus, and other extraordinary lessons about the end of the pandemic. Also, in hour two, David Redman is the former head of Alberta, Canada's Emergency Management Agency. We'll, and uh, he'll be here to explain how governments across Canada did the exact opposite of what they should have done in response to the pandemic. The exact opposite. He says it's nothing less than criminal negligence. This hour, U.S. constitutional lawyer, Jonathan Emord returns to the program to discuss the massive trucker protests sweeping across Canada and, in fact, now around the world. 
We're going to explore the role of civil disobedience in a, in a healthy Western liberal democracy. How do we know it's time to engage in civil disobedience? What are the limits of civil disobedience? What's the difference between civil disobedience and insurrection? Jonathan Emord has been practicing constitutional and administrative law before the federal courts and agencies since 1985. Having begun his career as an attorney in the Federal Communications Commission during the administration of President Ronald Reagan, Jonathan has maintained an abiding conviction to achieve full First Amendment protection for the freedom of speech and press. In 1991, he authored the critically acclaimed Freedom, Technology, and the First Amendment, in which he chronicled the intellectual foundations of the First Amendment and advocated replacing government control over the airwaves with a title registry private property rights approach. He's the author of several books, including Global Censorship of Health Information, The Rise of Tyranny, Restore the Republic, and his latest, The Authoritarians. Jonathan Emord, welcome back to the program. How are you? Just fine. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Let me get your overall impressions of the uh, the trucker protests that started in Canada, I guess they began. Uh, well, they rolled into Ottawa around uh, the uh, the end of January, and uh, it's just sort of taken off worldwide. What are your overall impressions? What what stands out for you? Well, I'm grateful. Uh, I think that this is just what happens when you deprive people of their individual liberty. Uh, they'll either go the way of people who are succumbing to totalitarianism around the world, which is just to cave in to those who wish to take their liberties away, or in the case of these strong Canadians, they refuse to have their rights taken away without standing up and at least protesting. And I think that their protests have been very effective, and I think it is in the long line of civil rights protests uh, dating back to the 60s. It's... uh, it's it's their right uh, that they're standing up for, their freedoms, and um, no one should be uh, disparaging them for that because uh, it shouldn't be a one-sided environment in Canada where authority figures force the people to bend down and, and worship at the throne of this vaccine mandate or the vaccine passports or limiting all of their rights to worship and to go to places to congregate or to eat, uh, forcing them to uh, form an allegiance, which is, you know, they've transformed vaccination into a political event in which people have to endorse adherence to a state dogma that's driven more out of politics than it is out of science. It's been a mistake from the start. Coercion doesn't work. You've got to give people full information and allow them to decide what's in their own best interest and what's in the best interests of their families. And ironically, despite all of their efforts, the lockdowns have been a miserable failure, have not moved the mark at all against the virus. But what has changed the environment is the Omicron virus. The Omicron virus has succeeded because of its uh, ability to block the Delta virus, the original virus, 
in causing a precipitous drop in the number of cases worldwide. And it's uh, really the way out. It's sort of nature's vaccine, as Dr. Marty McCary puts it. What is the role of civil disobedience? Why is it important to have uh, that that tool, I suppose, for citizens in a in a Western liberal democracy? So, with freedom comes the ever-present risk that those in government will abuse their power and take freedom away. So, you can't just assume that freedom is whatever Parliament says it is. Freedom, you drive your liberties not from Parliament but from God. And those liberties are unalienable. And when the state trenches upon your rights, you have but few recourses. You can revolt in armed rebellion, and one would hope that that would be a very last resort. Uh, or you can do what is very a tried and true method of protesting. And usually protest is considered your right as well. It's a freedom of speech and uh, a freedom of assembly, which are deemed to be fundamental rights. And when you choose to do that, you're doing nothing more than exerting your sovereignty as citizens, proving that you are in political dissent from a movement by those in power who are ultimately answerable to you unless they wish to take over and assume totalitarian powers, which they're not lawfully able to do. So when Trudeau pounds his chest and stares down the Canadian public and stares down the truckers and says, back down, and I insist upon it, uh, he's, he's being foolish, politically foolish, because I think the long-term consequences of his uh, unwillingness to compromise will be borne out ultimately in, in elections. But I believe that, uh, more fundamentally, he's showing himself to be an enemy of the people's liberties. And that's not a good place to be for a leader in a democracy. He's accountable to the people. He should be meeting with the truckers. He should be meeting with Canadian citizens who dissent. He shouldn't ignore them. He shouldn't hide from them. He shouldn't label them terrorists or fascists. He shouldn't uh, try to use police to uh, harm them or obstruct their protests. Uh, that's, that's what he should be doing. Now, clearly, breaking the law is ordinarily something that one ought not do and, and in the course even of a protest. However, when the law itself is unjust when the law itself violates your liberties, then uh, if you are following your rights, you would not follow, you would not uh, abide by a law that violates your rights. If, if, the, if the state says you may not speak in dissent, the state has violated your freedom of speech. You can vindicate that right potentially through legal action in a court. But if there isn't time sufficient and the threat is imminent, you may have to do what Martin Luther King did, which is to sit, engage in sit-down strikes or to march in areas where they wouldn't allow uh, people of color to march or to drink from the 
whites only uh, soda fountain or bubbler, and that's uh, that is a sign. Yes, it is a violation of of a, a law, but a law that is unjust that violates the Constitution, that violates your rights. So Jonathan W. E. Mord is with us, the author of The Authoritarians, emord.com, E-M-O-R-D, emord.com. You mentioned, you know, at the far end is armed insurrection, and of course, you know, we, we hope that never happens. Uh, but, you know, where is the line? Is there a line for peaceful civil disobedience? So, for example, um, when the truckers and their supporters were blocking the Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor, uh, over which about 25% of uh, the, uh, the goods that are traded between our two countries travels. And uh, we're told that this was putting the auto sector in, in grave uh, in jeopardy, that, that the auto plants would have to shut down, and this was going to hurt people. Uh, who had jobs in the auto sector and so forth, and and some, and and I would I would argue, uh, in order to be consistent, because I I opposed, for example, protesters who were against the construction of pipelines in Canada. They were throwing, uh, burning tires onto railroad tracks. They were trying to block uh, and impede the construction of certain infrastructure, and I opposed that. Uh, so to be consistent, I thought, well, you know, perhaps they should allow people to travel on the Ambassador Bridge, allow that trade to go through. What are your thoughts on that? And what are the limits to civil disobedience? Well, I do believe that uh, it's preferable for the protesters to engage in lawful protest. And certainly by blocking the bridge uh, completely, um, they they are they are denying the use of a thoroughfare that's meant to be open to the public, and so they're violating law. However, uh, their point in breaking the law and now laws are oftentimes broken in in when one engages in political dissent, and in this instance, people are fighting for their liberties, their individual freedom, uh, and as a consequence. It's, it's quite a different thing uh, to stand up for your freedom against an unjust law being applied against you versus uh, taking on, uh, you know, an, an industrial party because you object to pollution or some other thing that doesn't immediately affect your individual freedom. Uh, having said that, there is, of course, a, a very easy solution to this problem, which is for Justin Trudeau to get rid of the vaccine mandates and get rid of the vaccine passports and to work with the provinces to achieve that objective. It's against what he has argued for, but there is no sound justification for his position. And so while I sympathize greatly with the truckers, I agree with you that... Uh, one ought to pursue a lawful course, mindful of two things. One is that it's not necessary. You know, if it was indispensable for some reason that a law be broken in order to establish your position on rights, and we meant I mentioned one where you have segregation in, in the 60s and 
fifties and the Jim Crow era in the South, and individuals of color would want to drink from the whites only fountain or go use a whites only bathroom or get on the the whites only segment of a train or a bus to establish the illegal the, the fundamental rights violation taking place. But they were also willing to be arrested and to suffer the consequences of the arrest, even in protest. So, yes, there are times when civil disobedience becomes necessary. Remember George Wallace standing uh, in front of the school in Georgia, when, or was it Alabama, when uh, the National Guard were called upon... Alabama, to, right. Yeah, Alabama, to ensure that federal law would be followed. He was standing up for state law. Likewise, these truckers are really standing up for fundamental law, that is, their unalienable right uh, to be free of this coercion and forced compliance. Um, but I would say it's, it's in their best interest not to block the bridge entirely. And likewise, I think they've decided... Um, to move out of the residential areas in Ontario, um, I mean Ottawa and Ontario, around the Parliament so that they can, uh, you know, can, the people uh, who are in the neighborhoods can be at peace. And that um, is smart. That's a very smart move because I think most Canadians, I may be, I'm speculating, but I think it's probably so, that most Canadians have sympathy with them at this point. I would certainly hope that is the case. Oh, well, I would hope so as well. But according to the polls, uh, if they're to be believed, <laughs> that's always a question. Uh, up to two-thirds of Canadians actually would would be in favor, Jonathan, of using the military to forcibly remove protesters. This breaks my heart. This this fact, if this is in fact accurate, this poll, two-thirds of Canadians, part of me thinks this country's lost. What are your thoughts? When, when, the, when the overwhelming uh, um, the, the population is against you in your endeavor to secure, even they're even fighting for the rights of those people that are opposed to them. But when so many are in opposition to you, what does that say about a country and its future? Well, it, if indeed it is true that an overwhelming majority of Canadians support the government's position and would have the military arrest the uh, Freedom Convoy people, um, that's a very sad sign because that means that uh, coercion, force, and uh, it, to eliminate political dissent is acceptable to most Canadians. What I would say then to that majority is that you had better beware that there will come a time when you have an interest individually that dissents from the majority. And you would like to have a, a place of safe harbor where the law would protect you in your dissent. But if you follow this course, you will ensure that your own rights are being violated because it's not just the truckers' rights that you're taking away with this precedent. You're establishing that the state can overwhelm and override and use brute force 
against any in dissent. So it's a slippery slope they've created, if they believe in this, and they had better be careful, because there will come a time, as government continues to grow, because that's what they're asking be done, if they ask for the, for the military to be used against the citizens of the, of the country, not against a foreign adversary, there will come a time when that same military will be used against them. Because one thing's for certain, the truth is, the more power you give to the state and the less power you allow for individual discretion and dissent, the less freedom you have. And it continues on in that vein until there comes a point when if you don't adhere to what is demanded, you will be punished. So it's, it's not good to, to, uh, to, to condemn others for the exercise of their freedoms. You should celebrate freedom universally. Even if you disagree with those who are protesting, their right to protest, their right to assemble, their right to freedom of religion, their right to attend the churches of their choices, their right to travel unmolested by the state. All of these things are fundamental rights. And when you give them up for whatever cause, and in this it's tragic that people would give it up for a virus, then you can't really have anyone to blame but yourself because you didn't stand up for liberty. Jonathan, we've got to take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Jonathan W. E. Mord, U.S. constitutional lawyer, emord.com, the website. The book is The Authoritarians. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com 
forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. I call it the miracle molecule, carbon 60 or C60 from my good friends at Evo C60. I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and it's a remedy that works. C60 Evo can slow down the aging process by reducing cellular damage. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head. And I have boundless energy. Get your miracle molecule in a bottle. C60 from c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a... Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. And we are back with Jonathan W. E. Mord, U.S. constitutional lawyer. We're talking about civil disobedience, the, uh, the truckers' protest. In Canada, we have a Charter of Rights that was passed in uh, 1982. I think it took effect officially in 1985. And we have our fundamental freedoms, freedom of conscience and religion, freedom of thought, belief, opinion and expression, freedom of the press, of course, freedom of peaceful assembly, freedom of association. We have our democratic rights, of course. We have mobility rights. Every citizen of Canada has the right to enter, remain in and leave Canada. That one's being challenged right now, obviously, because if you're vaccine free, you you literally are a prisoner in in this country. We have the right to uh, to move and gain livelihood. We have legal rights, life, liberty, and the security of a person. But these fundamental rights are not absolute. We have something, I call it the weenie clause, Jonathan. It's section one of the charter, and it says the Canadian Rights Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. To me, that's problematic. Because we have fundamental rights, but ultimately, if they can be overridden by a judge, what good are they? What are your thoughts? Is that section problematic? You bet. And the reason uh, it's problematic is because it's based on a false premise. Uh, When Thomas Jefferson defined liberty in the early days of the American Revolution, he said that liberty was freedom from restraint and that it was beyond that to be limited only by another person's liberty, right of liberty, but not by the law, because he said the law is often the tyrant's weapon. 
And so it is in the United States that we have pre-political rights. Our rights are said to come from God in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence and not from the state. The problem in Canada with the Charter of Rights is that it's a creature of Parliament, and so it is affected by law to the extent Parliament wishes to constrain rights. It may use Section 1, and that, of course, is entirely unacceptable. The reason why it's unacceptable is that these rights to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the uh, and property, these rights are indeed pre-political. And you need not answer to a magistrate to exercise them. You need not achieve the assent of Parliament or any other authority to exercise them. They are your birthright. They come from God. This notion, which is embedded in Lockean philosophy in the Second Treatise on Government, is revolutionary and formed the foundation for the principles that underlie the American Constitution. You lack that written Constitution, you lack that written Bill of Rights that recognizes the rights of man to be pre-political, that understands that it you don't go to the state to get your rights. Your rights you have at birth, and they come from God. Now, the problem, then, is one of, of living in a world of second bests. How do you cope in a world that has not recognized your rights as fundamental birthrights that are unalienable, incapable of being taken away from you? Well, you must struggle, and you must struggle to change the law. But, of course, it's a bigger issue to change the law to recognize these rights as pre-political, particularly now in this late stage of development of the Canadian democracy. But if if Canada wishes to have rights and have them be protected and not have them capable of being written away by any uh, renegade, radical prime minister like Justin Trudeau comes down the pike, you have to make it impossible for that prime minister to be able to exercise such a broad blanket ability to affect a constriction of your rights. There will always be emergencies. Everything can be arguably defined into a state of emergency. Uh, tyrants throughout history have used the argument of an of military necessity or an emergency to justify the deprivation of people's rights. Tyrants are born every day claiming that they have to exercise authoritarian control in order to protect the public from one alleged harm or another. This is just the latest variety of it. They've seized upon the the, uh, virus as a justification for a gross expansion in state power to the extent that people literally cower in in fear about what will become of them if they transgress even the slightest rule on where they can travel, what vaccine passport has to be used to get into one uh, uh, facility or, or uh, place of business or another. 
because of this type of environment. This is the way it is in Australia or has been for some time in Australia as well. It's a, it's is, is this for a Canada particular function of parliamentary systems, well, as, uh, as opposed to the American system that uh, in the parliamentary system and countries that live under such systems, we tend to place or put greater value on disability the rights of the collective versus the individual. When you you hear in the media up here all the time, I find it rather um, uh, disheartening. You know that that we have to somehow balance our individual rights, or we have to give up our individual rights for the greater good. Uh, we we have a, a state broadcaster here, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is now on social media, calling the idea of freedom. As a they the Globe and Mail, the newspaper said that freedom has been weaponized by the far right. I've never heard such nonsense, but this is this is the reality up here. But to my point about the the parliamentary system and the, the, the from the the British Commonwealth uh, is 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 this um, giving into the collective the collective rights superseding the individual rights. Is this a, um, unique to the parliamentary system? No, it's common among all socialist states. Um, collective rights are a myth. There is no such thing as a collective right. Rights are individual. You, uh, you don't speak in unison with 50 other people or 100 other people on uh, all the topics of interest to you. They're unique to you. Your freedom of speech is your right, unique to you. Likewise, your freedom of religion, your freedom of conscience, your freedom to travel. We don't travel as herds. We're not herd animals. We are individuals, and as a result, our rights must be individual. When you talk of collective rights, it's a myth. Rights don't arise from a collective a collect this con- this notion of collective rights is a byproduct of socialism. It's a byproduct of Friedrich Hegel's uh, conception of collectivism that arose in the early 19th century and pre- presaged Marxism. It is an idea that merely justifies the exercise of state action in transgression of individual rights. Because collective rights are, are ordinarily pitted against individual rights. This idea that society has an interest that is more important than your rights, and therefore your rights can be violated to ensure protection for the collective, is nothing more than socialism. And what it results in is increasing levels of deprivation of freedom. It means that you are more of a slave than you are a sovereign. And in, in a just society where individual rights are protected, the individual is sovereign, sovereign over his person, sovereign over those things to which he has used the sweat of his brow and his labor to create something of value and property unique to himself. Uh, Jefferson said, 
I am not a friend of a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. We should always have a wary eye about government. Government is nothing more than the use of force at the behest of those who are granted a license to engage in political decision-making. And that is a very dangerous thing. When you have a monopoly of force that you can exercise whenever you care to declare a public interest or collective right or collective end, then there is nothing left to the individual except that which the state allows. It's the Jonathan, opposite. Uh, pardon the interruption. Got to take, take another time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Jonathan W. E. Mord, author of The Authoritarians, emord.com. Back with more of my conversation with Jonathan right after these. It's time to try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I can't get enough of my pomegranate super tea. I brew two gallons at a time and let it steep in the fridge overnight, enough to last me the entire week. And every morning I have a 16-ounce glass of this amazing GMO non-caffeinated herbal tea. It keeps me regular by providing a gentle cleanse every day. I'm never gassy or bloated, and good health begins with a healthy gut. This pomegranate super tea is not available in any store. You need to go to getthetea.com. Go to getthetea.com. Use the code UNLIMITED, and all your orders ship for free. All of them. It's time to get your tea from getthetea.com. If you're a fan of this radio program and the Strange Planet podcast... Why not show it off by wearing Strange Planet apparel or drinking from a Strange Planet mug? Check out all the great Strange Planet merch in my Strange Planet shop. Just go to the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on Shop in the menu. There's a huge selection of men's and women's t-shirts. You like crop circles or the Mayan calendar? Got you covered. Are you into the Anunnaki? Wait till you see these designs. My favorite right now? Lions do not lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And one of our best sellers right now, Truth Gets You Crucified on the front and a passage from Matthew chapter 23 on the back. So many great t-shirt designs, I don't know where to begin. There's women's leggings and tote bags and, of course, mugs. Great gifts for family and friends who listen and love this show. My Strange Planet shop. Visit today and often. Just go to strangeplanet.com. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Follow Richard on Twitter at Richard Serrett. For show information, visit the website strangeplanet.ca. Jonathan W. Emord stays with us, the author of The Authoritarians, and uh, the website is emord.com. So, Jonathan, your Bill of Rights, you don't have that Section 1, that weenie clause that I mentioned earlier. All of our uh, rights and freedoms, they're subject to reasonable limits, that's Section 1 of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You don't have a Section 1, and yet still there are many occasions where, through the pandemic, inalienable rights have been infringed upon, and the courts have have ruled that those infringements were justified. So what good is a Charter or a Bill of Rights in this case? Well, that's a very good point. We have raging socialism in the United States. We have people like AOC and Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi 
who are advocates of this collectivism we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about, and they do just what uh, Justin Trudeau has done. While they seem to have a liberal tolerance for mass destruction by BLM and Antifa and even align themselves with BLM, despite its destructive activities and its movement towards socialism and education and its rather callous disregard for actual losses suffered by individual black people in this country and in Canada. He nevertheless, Justin Trudeau, aligns himself with them, and he ignores their destruction. He doesn't bring down the threat of use of military force against them, even though they caused mass destruction, certainly across uh, the United States, for uh, over a year and continuing in city after city, burning, looting, murder, and in Canada to some degree as well, and, and with Canadian churches being desecrated and churches throughout the, and religious centers throughout the United States being damaged and desecrated. So there is a threat on, and a movement afoot, not just in Canada, but in the United States, of course, as well, where rights are being violated, where courts are not protecting rights, where individuals are getting away with literally murder, where this whole movement to let criminals go free, uh, unchecked by the law. And yet notice the hypocrisy here. Notice how the liberal media in the United States attacks the Freedom Convoy, and likewise in Canada, and how the state takes the view that these peaceful people, overwhelmingly peaceful, you'd be hard-pressed to find a single instance of any organized violence like you had with BLM and Antifa riots all across the nation, uh, and, and in Canada, too. Uh, and yet, the state was quite tolerant there, and is utterly intolerant of the Freedom Convoy, mouthing platitudes about protecting freedom of speech, but looking at for every alternative to declare anything they do unlawful, depriving them of fuel, trying to make it difficult for them to survive, cutting off access to goods and services, denying people the right to supply them, this sort of thing, they never would have thought to do in a million years to the racist protesters and the advocates of socialism. Isn't that interesting? Well, we have the counter-protests now in Ottawa and elsewhere. These are people, I guess, who are protesting freedom, protesting getting rid of mask mandates, getting rid of vaccine passports. They're, they're in favor of those things. Never mind that they're free to continue to, you know, cower in their basement and wear their mask 24-7, but that's not good. They want to protest. And now we're seeing in these protests a really uh, ugly, vindictive side. We're seeing people holding up signs saying, gas the unvaccinated, kill the unvaccinated. We are seeing uh, at these protests the, the hammer and sickle, the flag you know, of communism, which has killed 100 million people in the, tw- in the 20th century. And of course, this is all being totally ignored by the mainstream media. Now, they found, you know, one agent provocateur waving a Confederate flag up in Ottawa, which has no historical context whatsoever. And there was one agent provocateur waving a Nazi flag and it was called out, of course, by the truckers. But now we have these gas the unvaccinated, kill the unvaccinated and hammer and sickle flags everywhere. The mainstream media says absolutely nothing. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's really tragic to see this groupthink in the media, where dissent again is is not allowed. Cancel culture rages on, and that's most unfortunate. While these people who are protesting in favor of Marxism, communism, and intolerance of dissent are enemies of liberty, it is precisely because we love liberty that we protect their right to protest, and that is the true sign of someone who believes in individual liberty, that they would allow even the opinions that they hate to be communicated to ensure that the law provides equal protection. This gets back to what we talked about earlier, when those who are advocating uh, denying the Freedom Convoy their rights and using the military against them are on the slippery slope. But Okay, Jonathan, sorry, this was a short segment. We've got to take one final time out, come back. We'll get to some uh, questions from our live stream. Jonathan E. Mord, author of The Authoritarian, stays with us. Don't go away. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Welcome back. Jonathan W. Emord is with us, one of America's foremost experts on constitutional and administrative law. In his new book, The Authoritarians, John reveals the untold story and largely hidden practices of authoritarians who've worked inside the United States government to undermine the Constitution and override rights protections since the earliest days of the progressive era. And he traces the intellectual origins of the authoritarians to its Hegelian roots in Germany. He shows how legions of academics trained to hate the American system of government became predominant in the major universities of America, entered government as top advisors, and successfully orchestrated an overthrow of the Constitution's limits on power, which put the rights of individuals in jeopardy from the progressive era through the New Deal to today. How do we get a copy, Jonathan? Amazon or walmart.com, target.com, but most people get it from Amazon. And for my Canadian listeners, what would you say to them if they say, well, that's an American perspective? What would you say? No, I'm an advocate of individual liberty. While I'm very much an American, I believe to my core in the principle of individual liberty articulated in the second treatise on government by John Locke, who was a servant of the crown, of course, uh, never came to fruition in England, never came to fruition in Canada, but did come to fruition in our country here in the United States. And that is a great recourse. I would hope that someday every nation of the world could benefit from that recognition that we are sovereign, we are born free, our rights must be respected by the state, the state is our servant, not our master. And it just... Um, offends me to my core to see my brethren in Canada, uh, many of whom are related to me. My relatives actually were from Ottawa, and they came across into the United States from there on my father's side. But I just, even were that not the case, I just, Canada is a great free state, a great ally in, in the fight for liberty, but right now it's discrediting itself, as is Joe Biden, discrediting our own country in the United States 
by adhering to this socialist agenda, collectivism, and denying individual rights to dissent. You know, there's an alternative to this that people don't recognize, and they ought to take it very seriously. And that alternative is to recognize the doctor-patient relationship, the individual rights of each person, allowing people to fully informed to exercise their individual choice, to choose what's best for them and their own families. We can't substitute for that a collective approach, a one-size-fits-all, get-a-vaccine-or-die approach. It simply is grossly insufficient. The vaccines are not perfect. They're not the solution to this problem. Ultimately, we have to rely on, on uh, treatments. There's going to be vaccine fatigue. No doubt it's already setting in. There are only so many persons going to want to accept it in a lifetime, particularly if they get sick from shot or if they feel uncomfortable with pain resulting from the shot or uh, if there are alternatives and there are treatment alternatives. Early treatment is the most important thing to, ta- to deal with this. We have fulsome right. immunity coming out of the, the uh, Omicron, but we still need treatment available everywhere. And what these nations, both the United States and Canada, have done is they have made it so difficult to get access to treatments because they want to maximize the percentage of people being vaccinated even though the vaccine wanes within four or five months. And yeah, I, have a, I have a bad feeling, Jonathan, that part of this is they want to re- eliminate the control group. I know that's sinister, but I'm left with very few alternatives at this point. I want to get to the live stream uh, questions here. You betcha asks, Jonathan, how, does, how do we balance people's right to protest and people in downtown not to have to listen to honking horns all day? Yeah, um, there are reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions on protest that should be recognized. In other words, uh, you have rights as a citizen who lives in your home in Ottawa, and you have a right to peaceful existence in your home that can't be violated. And so there can be reasonable restrictions that protect your, your rights as a homeowner, and there should be. Yeah, I think the truckers have done a pretty good job in terms of self-policing with that. Um, Momzilla asks, oh, wants to know whether I would lead a freedom party (laughs) in Canada or Ontario. Well, we already have those options. I think we have the People's Party that are running federally. And uh, here in Ontario, we have uh, the new Blue Party. Uh, Let's see. Phil uh, Minervino asks, what role do the big government I'm not sure exactly what Phil means, but, uh, Jonathan, do you want to talk about the role of big banks in government? Well, we have this unfortunate thing in the United States called the Federal Reserve System, and you likewise have a centralized system of banking in Canada. And um, it's a long story that we'll, we, we probably can't take this show to address because the topic is different, but suffice it to say that uh, corruption prevails in this unit, unity between banking and government. And it has resulted in very severe restrictions on competition in banking and in uh, competition in currency. And that has uh, been to the great detriment of individuals and to freedom. So it's another big problem that needs to be addressed. We have a number of 
politicians, including the prime minister, including uh, one of the uh, the leaders of the opposition, the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh, the federal finance minister, a number of premiers who all seem to have sworn allegiance to the World Economic Forum. Do you think that if you are the leader of a country or, or of a, a province, uh, that that you, you should be disqualified from running if you are a member of the World Economic Forum? I do believe that unions of that sort are greatly to the disadvantage of people within their own nations, whether it's in the United States or in Canada. We need to be... Nationalism is real and is important. Canada is a, a, a nation with people who are necessarily uh, similar in their... Uh, much more, much closer in their wants, needs, and interests than, say... Uh, they would be to people in Africa or France or somewhere else. And I mean this in the sense that you have an interest in protecting the resources of Canada and ensuring that your customs and traditions are protected to the extent that it defines uh, free options for your people and uh, defines who you are as people in the world. This idea of trying to, to... give to international bodies control over your nation is a very bad idea. I favored Brexit, for example. Um, the ruination that comes when a, a party that is distant from your shores can decide for you what your economy will do or what an individual business can do in your country is outrageous deprivation of sovereignty and uh, political control it it destroys democracy in your country so do you, uh, very quickly jonathan i've just got about 30 not, seconds here but do you think that this trucker protest that is now going worldwide is this the beginning of something an unstoppable movement towards populism perhaps a new nationalism i think it is unstoppable i think it is a movement for individual liberty and i i'm delighted to see it I, I didn't. I was becoming quite less sanguine about the prospects for rising up against totalitarianism, collectivism, socialism, but not now that I've seen the truckers. And I believe it is an international movement. It's our, we're already seeing it all over. It'll be happening in the United States soon. Jonathan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your insights. You're welcome. Great to be with you. Emord.com, emord.com. Get a copy of The Authoritarians, available at Amazon. All right, when we come back, the cowboy philosopher, former cattle rancher turned COVID data researcher and the author of Autopsy of a Pandemic, Julius Ruchel, will be here. And later, the uh, former director of Alberta's Emergency Management Agency, David Redman. Back with more after these. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Have you subscribed to my newsletter yet? It's fast, 
easy, and absolutely free. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and then click on subscribe. All I need is your email address, and that's it. Then, once a month, you'll receive my newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox. The Inner Sanctum contains a monthly brief, a column of my analysis of the news and opinions. There's a This Month in UFO or Conspiracy History, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of this radio program, a book club, my podcast pick of the month, a spotlight on a previous guest, and much more. Join the Strange Planet community by signing up for your free subscription to Inner Sanctum. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on subscribe. It's a strange planet. Read all about it.